We are finishing up, in theory, 2 Timothy. And uh, I say that because I, you know, I never seem to get very far. But uh, we've been studying First and Second Timothy. And uh, what we do, if this is the first time you're here, on our Wednesday night Bible studies, we take a book of the Bible and go through it one verse at a time, keeping it in context, really trying to build on it so that you can truly understand what they're talking about and putting it in context and whatnot. Uh, now, Timothy is a young preacher that Paul has known since he was an infant. And, uh, in fact, we'll see that in just a second as we kick us off. But uh, um, he's, he's loved this guy all his life, known his grandmother, known his mother, knows him, and is encouraging him on how to uh, carry on this thing called Christianity. And this was very dear to Paul's heart because he's at the end of his life here. Is this actually his last epistle? Do we know? I guess I should have actually studied before I came in on that one issue but uh, I mean I studied this but whether that was actually I, I think this this is uh, I think this is just before he dies so if it's not his last epistle it's, it's one of his last ones so he's taken it very seriously and his big concern at this point is will this continue we got to keep this going and of course 2,000 years later we're still here I think they did a pretty good job of how to deal with these things and uh, so he's just t- showing him what the church needs to do and how ministers need to act and behave and, and, and stuff so that the kingdom of God keeps advancing until Jesus returns. So let's pick it up. Um, at uh, We're in chapter 3, uh, verse 15. Uh, let me encourage you to bring your Bibles on, uh, on Wednesday nights, but we'll also pop it up on the screen uh, so you can kind of follow along. But it's best to follow along so you can actually get a, a sense of how these things are written. Um, and these numbers and stuff, these chapters and numbers was all added later. That wasn't originally written there. There, we They put those in later, hundreds of years later, so you could find where to turn like we're doing right now. But this is just a letter that he wrote. He says, so uh, he's talking to uh, Timothy and he says, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So there, uh, at the beginning of this, remember he talks about, I know your grandmother and your mom. And he's saying to you from here, from infancy. You've known. He's been surrounded by scriptures. He's been surrounded by Bible things all of his life. Here is a guy who was raised in the church, who kept the passion of the church uh, in him, and uh, was, was a phenomenal young man. And so he keeps writing. He says, now all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. And then he gives a list of stuff. So let's stop right there. All scripture is God-breathed. We believe that what we have set aside what uh, church elders and stuff got together and what they call canonized certain books of the Bible. Some didn't make it, some did, uh, but they had very high standards of what would be considered to be in the Bible, what we consider to be the scriptures. And uh, he says that all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, it has the touch of God in it. This is not just like any other book. This is life-changing, if you'll read it. Now, a lot of people don't read it because for probably two main reasons. Uh, the biggest one is we're lazy. And the uh, second biggest reason is uh, sometimes it's, it's hard to understand. Uh, particularly if you pick it up for the first time and like open up to the book of Leviticus. <laughs> Not a good plan. You know that if you're having a hard time sleeping at night, read the book of Leviticus. <laughs> And it'll pretty much knock you out in about 16 verses. I mean, you know, the book of Numbers. I mean, there's parts of the Bible that are excruciatingly, painfully boring. God bless their darling little hearts. Now, is it the word of God? Sure. But a lot, a lot of it is, is uh, historical. 
Uh, particularly in the Old Testament, where they literally went through and they kept track of what tribe belonged to whom, and da-da-da-da-da-da, and they're numbering the tribes, and it's like, yikes, you know. Uh, and then other parts of it, if you don't know the history, can be a little confusing. You'll notice how I often refer back to the book of Acts in the New Testament as a historical reference, because it's hard to understand what they're talking about in the New Testament if you don't have a historical reference. And we're going to be starting the book of Acts, uh, theoretically, next week, um, uh, and, and getting into this. It's a fabulous book. Well, the Old Testament is really kind of the same way, but it's, it's much more complex, and you're talking thousands of years of history. And uh, you start reading something like, you know, Lamentations or something that's, uh, you know, it's easy to be reading and thinking you have no stinking idea what in the world they're talking about. So uh, I really recommend if you're a fairly new believer, start with the New Testament and uh, go from there. It's a lot easier to understand, a lot more basic. Start with the Gospels. Gospels of, the Gospel of John is a great place to start. Uh, so you don't get discouraged in, in reading the scriptures because, again, this stuff is God-breathed, has the touch of God upon it. And uh, now the... Uh, the typical evangelical statement is that we believe the Bible to be the inerrant word of God. Have you ever heard that phrase? The inerrant word of God. Um, I, I know what they're trying to say, uh, that God doesn't make mistakes and it's the truth and stuff like that. I'm not real crazy about the inerrant word type thing because a lot of this stuff is based on interpretation. This is why, why Paul said to Timothy earlier, he says, make sure that you rightly divide the word of truth. Make sure you know what you're talking about. You know, you got to be able to build these things together. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, church ecclesiastical people like words like inerrant, you know, because if they assume the Bible says A, B, C, well, then we can't possibly be wrong because it's in the inerrant word of God. You know, well, you know, not everybody's right. I mean, that's why you got 35 different kinds of Baptists alone. Somebody's wrong. You know what I'm saying? The word of God is right, yeah, but when you, we use words like that, I, I think we just set ourselves up for, you know, some strange, awkward situations, although I'm sure it's probably part of our faith statement too, isn't it? <laughs> the inerrant word, you know. It's not, we don't put the inerrant, okay, good, well, whatever. Uh, good or bad, I'm like not trying to look for fights for anybody, don't email me about that, I don't want to hear about it. Alright? What I'm trying to tell you is it is the word of God, it is a God breathe, that's what the Bible says of itself. Just, I think, getting this inerrant stuff that's to imply that whatever you think it means can't possibly be wrong. I think you're, you're uh, kind of stretching it quite a bit. But all of it's God-breathed. Life of God is in these words, and they will transform you. And what's it good for? It's useful for teaching, teaching people how to live, okay? Uh, te- useful for rebuking. Rebuking, what is that? That's getting up and getting in people's faces. You've never seen me do that, so... <laughs> you know, you know, I do that. I know. I freak some people out sometimes. I'm. I always tell people I'm one of the meanest preachers I know. I don't know why I get away with it. But uh, but you know, I just if I think you're wrong, I'm going to tell you. If I think a certain thinking is wrong, stop it. It's called rebuking. I say, well, you're not nice. You should be nicer. You know, I'm sure we should be nice. And it says here that we should be nice. We'll see this in a second. But uh, anyway, so um, rebuking, I mean, just flat out getting people's faces. Correcting, that means taking something that's wrong and making it right. It's kind of another version of rebuking. Don't do it this way. Let's do it this way. 
And the scriptures will help guide us in a lot of those kinds of things. And then training in righteousness. And one of the main reasons, really the fundamental reason you guys are even here on a Wednesday night like this. uh, When most people in the world would not be at a church on a Wednesday night. You're here, why? Because you want to be trained in righteousness. You want to learn this stuff. You want to, and here's what the thing. This just doesn't happen by itself. Quite frankly, to get very skilled in the life of faith, there is a training process that has to kick in. And, you know, a lot of people don't take advantage of that. So their faith stays weak. They don't stay really strong. Life throws things at them. They're not sure how to handle it. Uh, The Bible is great for teaching us, training us in how to live all of this. Why? So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you're ready, man. Here we go. Alright, and then he continues, next chapter, uh, keeping in mind there were no chapters. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Remember, he's being kind of intense here. Paul is always pretty intense, but man, he's checking out here. He wants to get the suit of him. Man, I'm telling you, I'm giving you this charge, and this is the charge he gives Timothy. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Too many pulpits in America do not preach the word they preach what they think they teach what they feel they'll talk about all kinds of stuff uh you know and it's fine to to bring some of that stuff in but man it's gotta start with and end with the word of god there's churches today that actually go out of their way not to quote any of the bible so they don't offend anybody Why would you get offended to hear the Bible coming into a church? It's a church for crying out loud. How would hearing about God in a church be over the line? I honestly don't understand it. You know, if you're going bowling and they're quoting scriptures at you, that I can understand. You know, honestly, I'm here to bowl. I appreciate what you're saying, but this is weird, okay? You know, something like that. You're going to Walmart and they're preaching at you. That I, it would be a little odd. But it's a church and how some churches actually hide the scriptures and hide God and try not to be too religious. We don't have too much religion. We don't have too much God. God forbid we'd have too much God. Obviously, I disagree <laughs> with this approach. And they're not here to defend themselves, but I think they're nitwits. Uh, it, bottom line, we should preach the word. This is about this. Man, if we can't talk about God in a church, where can you talk about it? When they've got answers to that, well, well we should just teach it in you know, private little groups. And stuff like that. Well, God bless them. I mean, there's some great churches you know, in some ways. Uh, but if you don't preach the word, man, if you don't get the word in people's lives then Christianity church just becomes a country club. Who cares? I'm not interested in a country club. I'm interested in seeing people's lives changed. I want to start seeing the word of God that's breathed with the life of God inside people so it starts transforming their lives. So instead of their life living in Sucksville, they start living in Successville. Suck, success, both have suck in it, but the other one's a good one. I don't know, you keep coming, I don't know why you come. <laughs> really, who wants to live a, have a life that just stinks? Honestly, I don't know why some people get out of bed in the morning. Honestly, I know a lot of people struggle, you know, uh, 
in life, but man, oh man, oh man, Christians, you don't, we don't need to, if you don't have Jesus, I can get it, but man, we have Christ, we have the life of God, let's get this stuff in us, are you hearing me, it, it, and I'll tell you what, it's not a good luck charm, sleeping it with under your bed will do you no good, having it on your table in your house will not do you any good, it's, it's, you've got to actually read it, Read it. <laughs> Did I ever tell you my story about the when I was in Chicago? Guy wanted to know what's in the bag. Did I ever tell you that story? Somebody say a couple of you. I'll tell it again because it's very funny. <laughs> I, was down, I was in Chicago with this uh, uh, missionary, and he had to go get some passport thing taken care of, and we we checked in and stuff. And they said, well, it'll be a couple of hours, so we had to go sit around and just wait. So here we are standing on a street corner in Chicago with a black case on a corner, street corner. <laughs> Pretty soon, this dude comes walking over going. Comes up to me and goes, what you got in the bag, man? I said, What? you got in the bag man and then it dawned on me you know he's looking for a drug hit right so I go some powerful stuff man <laughs> the guy goes the guy goes oh go man go come here come here so he kind of went around the corner and he's and I'm following me going are you afraid you're going to get killed doing something like that (laughs) maybe but it's so funny you know (laughs) so he says okay okay, man show me what's in the bag so I I get down my my briefcase and I'm (laughs) I pop it open and I I grab my bible and I hand it to him and he goes He says, what do you do, lick the pages? (laughs) And I went, no man, you read it. The guy goes, oh man, he walks away. Now that was entertainment, I got to tell you right there. I was just having a great time downtown Chicago. Guy got all mad, but I'll tell you what, you do read it, it will change your life. This is a great drug with no ill side effects. Hallelujah. See, this is why I can't finish. Because I keep taking rabbit trails everywhere. I just focus for five minutes, Mark. Keep reading the words. Uh, the attention span of a fly okay preach people say you know I just love the way you keep it interesting no it's just me I just can't focus and apparently that's interesting to people okay preach the word be prepared be prepared be ready be ready be ready in season and others be ready when it's time to be ready and 
and out of season. Be ready when it's not even time to be ready. Just be ready. Hallelujah. Preachers ought to be ready all the time. (laughs) Correct. Again, he goes to the same kind of list again. Correct people. Rebuke them. Encourage them with great patience. (sighs) See, I need to work on that. Great patience. I'd be more patient if it didn't take so long. (laughs) Great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. They'll get tired of the word. They'll get tired of the instructions. They'll get tired of training in righteousness. Why? Because it's not fun. Training in righteousness often requires of us to die to ourselves. Not a happy message. Because we don't like to die to ourselves. Most of us really like ourselves at some level. We're pretty thrilled about the way we think. Pretty thrilled about us. We love us. We love to be comfortable. We love to be comforted in every way. We just think we're fabulous. Sometimes we like our little sins that we allow ourselves and indulgences and things we shouldn't do. We know we shouldn't, but, 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 but. This is our world. And when you start training in people who are unrighteous and say, no, you need to get here. You need to get here. Quit acting like that. Live like this. Quit acting like that. Quit thinking like that. Let's start thinking and acting and living this way. The way it says here in the word. Life-changing stuff. Well, at some point, people get tired of that. And he says, there's going to come a time when they won't put up with it. Instead, to suit their own desires. Remember, the reason they're doing it is so they want to suit their own desires. They want to get what they want, when they want it, how they want it. And they will gather around them. A great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. People love to just surround themselves with the kind of people who will tell them they're okay. Won't challenge them. Tell them that no matter what they do, it's all right. You know, and the reality is, that's not true. It is true that God loves you despite what you do. Without question. Thank God for that. I mean, if I were God, I'd have killed me a long time ago. Thankfully, he loves me, inconceivably why, but he does, and he really likes me too. Loves and likes, and he does you too. He loves all of us. But to say that, or to imply, that doesn't really matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. As long as you just believe. As long as you just believe. (laughs) I got to quit acting like that. I had some guy send me an email the other day. He said, man, I saw you on TV the other day. He says, man, seriously, I think you're gay. (laughs) What? I'll never quit acting like that. Is that gay? That's not gay, is it? (laughs) Just, Just me, man. Apparently they have the sufficient radar to pierce through television sets and determine whether or not people are gay. <laughs> Must be a gaydar. <laughs> I mean, the guy, the guy, that was just part of it. He ended with that. He's just ripping me apart. You think you're so smart. I think you're an idiot. You're not funny at all. Honestly, I think you're gay. Here's a thought. If you're watching me on TV and you don't like it, 
Change the channel! What, it's 300 channels? And he's got to yell at me? Because he doesn't think I act properly. And this is why we can't keep moving. Okay, keep moving. Gay. These people will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Why? They just want to keep hearing anything except for that which challenges them. That rebukes them, that corrects them, instructs them. Again, people who want to be really selfish do not like that environment. And they will fight it in any way that they can. But you, he says, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. You know what that means? It means put up with it. Put up with hardship. You know what hardship? That's, that's stuff that's hard. Aren't you glad you came to learn this? Hard, putting up with hard. The hard is not the end of the world. Hard is the only way you get to anything in life. Honestly, we, we just live in a world today where people, they don't want to put up with hardship. I saw, you know, recent, what was that, an article in the paper, paper yesterday or something like that, that, you know, the, the, the rate of kids not even finishing high school is like becoming epidemic proportions all over the country. Nobody wants to do anything. Nobody wants to work for anything. But we all demand things. We live in such an entitlement culture. You know, we think we should just have stuff. And the reason people have stuff and they don't is because they're lucky and they weren't. And that's not fair. We need to make it fair. Everybody needs to get the exact same thing, you know. Just, no, no, no. The hardship is part of life. God will bless you. He, the beautiful thing about Jesus is, is you can have joy in the midst of hardship. Not that you won't have hardship. Accomplishing anything of, of substance in life is hard. These guys up here playing today, you know, it sounded great and it's fun. It looks like they're having a blast and they were. But how did they get that way? They endured hardship. They did, right? Remember when you first playing the guitar? Remember how much it hurt? It hurt taking those little strings and running them through your fingertips. And you walk around all day, go, ow, 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 owie, 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 owie. And then you pick it up and do it again. And you just do it until you get calluses on your fingers and, 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 you know, you just numb the pain. You keep putting up with it. You keep putting it, practicing the piano. People say, how'd you get where you can play the piano? The way you do, on purpose. I encourage young people that, that want to play the piano. Practice till you puke. Do it till you can't stand it anymore. Then do it again. Do it. That's how you do it. Intentionally. How do you get great grades in school? You actually have to study. <laughs> Isn't that a drag? You know, I didn't get very good grades in school. Why not? Because you didn't do anything. You know, I didn't do very good in school. But I don't blame anybody. It's a miracle they graduated me. They shouldn't have. I think they just got tired of me. I used to pray, oh God, just give me a D. Oh God, just a D. I was not a very good student in school. I said, I don't whine about it. It's not fair. I should have got grades like everybody else. No, I knew it. I didn't deserve the grades because I didn't work for them. Keep your head in all in situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of evangelist. What does that mean? Evangelize. Win people to Christ. Keep sharing the good news. And discharge all the duties of your ministry. Do what God has called you to do. And then here's where we see Paul talking about his life's coming to an end here. He says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure 
Where is he going? Going to heaven. He's talking about his death. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Hallelujah. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearance. Oh, my goodness, that at the end of my life, I will be able to say, I have finished the race. I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. Man, that's the way to go out right there, Jack. Then he says to uh, Timothy some personal remarks. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychius to Ephesus. (laughs) I sent Tychius to Ephesus. When you come back, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchment. These are all just personal things here. Bring me my coat. You know, when you come through. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. All right, now hold on a second. It's interesting. When I read Paul talking like this, and, and he mentions this at other times, how people desert him. Um... Sometimes he really takes the time to, by name, talk about people who are real slime bags and what they did. Uh, but then, you think, everybody deserted you? Why, how, why would everyone desert you? Why would, that, why would they do that? You know, these are first century Christians. Most of them were pretty nice guys. They were born again. They served God. A lot of them paid the ultimate price for their faith. Uh, I, I don't know. What exactly? What happened? Sometimes he says, well, because people love the world more than they love the kingdom of God. They love themselves more than they love the kingdom of God. Or uh, because they were ashamed of my sufferings, he says. You know, they're embarrassed for what I was going through and da-da-da-da-da. He uses some very strong language. I I just... Let me give you an example. Back in verse 11, he says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. let's, let's, Let's go look who Mark was. Fabulous name, by the way. Acts, Acts the 15th chapter, I think, yes. Acts the 15th chapter and verse 36. Now sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, now up in this, to this time as you're reading in the book of Acts, and when we start reading next week and studying the book of Acts, which is a long book, by the way, we'll have some fun with this, it's a scream, I love this thing. But uh, throughout here, you were hearing about Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, and all of a sudden it became Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas. What happened to Barnabas? Well, this is what happened to Barnabas, okay? So sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. So the motivation here is let's go back to where we've been. We've been ministering to these people. Let's go back and encourage them some more. See, you know, it's been a while since we went out and preached the gospel and established all of these new churches. Let's go check on them. Let's see what's happening with these guys. So, uh... Uh, Barnabas uh, wanted to take John, also called Mark. This is the Mark, we believe, of whom he's referring to now. Um, But Paul did not think it wise to take him because Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia 
and not had continued with them in the work. Now, <clears throat> the reason I'm just pointing this out a little bit, well, here, let me keep reading. They, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. All right, here are two men of God. Men of God. We're talking, you don't get much up higher on the totem pole than Paul and Barnabas in the early church. I mean, holy stinking cow. I mean, this is, this is right. This is what's up. These two wonderful men of God got so ticked off at each other. They didn't want to have anything to do with each other. You say, is that possible? Indeed, apparently it is. You know, these guys were just as human as you and I are. And sometimes people just don't get along. Even Paul at one point wrote about a couple of guys, I forget who, what the names were, we ran across it uh, in one of the other books, you know, tell so-and-so and so-and-so to get along. Because why is that? Because sometimes people just irritate the snot out of you, you know, you just don't like them. You know, I mean, you like them, you love them, but they still bug you. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody here saved at all? You know, you, know, you got lies around people, you know what I'm saying? Life would be great if it weren't for people. <laughs> Pastoring would be easy if it weren't for people. You know, of course, I love people. But I mean, you know, it just is what it is, right? Um, And even some of the most spiritual guys in the world with the deepest Christian faith got so irritated at each other, they couldn't work together anymore. So I use it as an analogy. Number one, don't freak out if you can't get along with everybody. That means you hate them. And you don't have to be mean and malicious and backstab them. You know, that's all over the line stuff. But sometimes there's people that just, you know, ugh. You know, and say, well, what do you do? Well, you know, you sit over there and have him sit over there. So what? You know, there's, there's people uh, in the church. You know, it doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while there's somebody just really bugs somebody else and they come to us and they're, not, and they're, and they're having a real difficult time. And, and they say, well, what should we do? I said, well, just stay away from each other. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Be nice to each other. Be respectful. But obviously, there's something that you're doing to each other just bugging you. So if, if you've been working in the same ministry area, change ministry areas. It's okay. That's okay. It's not, you know, to force these issues. I don't know. Clearly, in the Bible, they have their own problems, too. So they had such a sharp disagreement, they parted company. Barnabas took Mark, sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Now... And then from then you hear Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas, and Luke traveled with Paul, who was writing this book, and we'll learn more about that next week. But that's why we don't hear any more about Barnabas and keep hearing about Paul. Um, but now check this out. He said, it says here that Mark had deserted them. Well, what does that mean? I, obviously, because when you read about these deserting things, you think, man, these people are all going to hell. Wouldn't you think? I mean, wow, deserted me, everybody left me, rah, 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 rah. Some of them probably. I mean, the guys who, you know, did a great deal of harm. Well, you don't want your name in the Bible under that category. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, who knows what was going on? I, here's what I think. Because obviously, he wasn't evil because Barnabas still took him and went and did great things. Okay? So he left them. I don't know. Apparently, you could just leave and not really be evil. Am I making any sense there? I mean, it's just, I'm trying to put this in context a little bit because, <clears throat> you know, I just think Paul was like really intense. I do. I don't think I'd like him a lot. Really, I, honestly. I mean, I think it's fabulous. He's brilliant. Thank God I am a fly on a camel's behind compared to this guy. Paul is like, holy moly. I'll probably never see him in heaven except from a distance. There's Paul. I'll be in the poor side of town. All right? 
So I'm not trying to compare myself anyway. I just, I just don't think I would like him a lot because I'm kind of a fun going guy. I don't think Paul was a real blast. <laughs> I think Paul, you know, because he always uses really intense language. I mean, here's a guy who said, talking about marriage. He said, I don't know why you'd want to get married. What a, why would you do that? Now, if you're, if you can't, if you're, if you're so motivated, you got to have sex and okay. Well, that's basically his, his take on the deal. I, for one, am highly motivated. But, uh, <clears throat> <laughs> but but he puts it in the context of you know if you stay single you can totally serve Jesus if you're married then you you can't really serve Christ the way you'd like to you have to also serve your spouse like that. you know what I'm saying you read these things right and and uh, and we'll get there when we when we go through Corinthians but you know honestly I don't walk around thinking to myself you know I'm going to have to quit serving God now and be nice to my wife you know if anything I think I'm going to serve God by being nice to my wife you know what I'm saying it was just yeah all the ladies that's right preach it brother I hope you're paying attention buy the CD but uh I, I, I think this is how we serve God by loving our spouse and children you know but Paul he was intense I mean, I understand what he's saying. I think when you read it, you'll see, okay, I can see where he's coming from. But he was just intense, intense, intense. So I don't know. That, you know, clearly some of these that he mentions by name and some of the nasty things they did. Uh, but he says, you know, everybody left me and I pray the Lord doesn't hold it against them. And, and uh, you know, I, I just don't, it's hard for me to conceive that everybody would leave you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I kind of use the rule of thumb. If everybody thinks you're a jerk, you got a problem. A lot of people don't see that. I remember talking to this one lady. Nobody could stand her. Nobody. Everybody. I said, do you think the problem might be you? No! I says, do you have any friends? No! Do you think it just might be about you? You know, but I mean, they just, they can't see it. You know, there's a so you know why everybody would abandon him I don't know uh, I, I don't know if everybody is in this context of whatever what's interesting is they have this big blowout it's the biggest blowout in the New Testament that's recorded between Paul and Barnabas they were arguing over Mark Paul, Barnabas wanted Mark Paul said I'm not going to take him that little twin he left us he deserted us but it's interesting now he says what get Mark and bring him with you. You know, I don't know if he softened up a little bit in his old age or what the deal is. I mean, who knows? We don't know all the dynamics that was going on. Again, that's why we're going to get in the book of Acts to try and put more context. And, but every time we teach in the, Old Test, the New Testament, you'll have to jump back to Acts to try and get a, a sense of, of what was going on. But uh, I don't know. I, when I just read this, I just go, nobody likes you, Paul. <laughs> Maybe you're a little in. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, but uh, so anyway, later he asked for Mark, and apparently Mark's okay. And I don't know if he ever healed it up with Barnabas. You know, I, you've got to assume they forgave each other. I mean, they know better. You can't not forgive people. It's pretty much a guaranteed ticket not to get into heaven. You have to forgive people. And Paul wrote, "You need you need to forgive one another. Be tender-hearted, compassionate, just like God forgave you. You need to forgive other people." So I'm sure they forgave each other. Whether or not they ever decided to hang out again, 
uh, as far as we know, they never traveled again. You know, so, but uh, I just think, I guess what I'm trying to say through all of this is that I, I think that you can still love people and still be in the will of God and still uh, uh, forgiving and all that, but still not want to be around certain people. I, I just think that's okay. And it's, there's a few people I'd rather not be around. It doesn't make me evil. I don't hate them. You know, it's just they're, they creep me out. <laughs> just, you know, and, and it could be lots of reasons. Sometimes we just don't agree on the same stuff. People don't think the same way. I had a, I had a pastor who wrote me an email. I usually all the emails I get from people. But, uh, this, uh, I kind of start hiding my email address. <laughs> but uh, this pastor emails me and... Uh, you know, he was uh, he was upset at me because on one of my DVDs I, about marriage, I talk about that couples, women need to learn how to barter with their husbands, right? I think the only way to have a really healthy relationship is if there's some game rules. Now, what all the rules are is between you and him, but, you know, if you try to have a completely unconditional relationship where the other person just walks over the top of you and you never get anything out of it, you're going to be one miserable person. And I think that you can still... Uh, have conditions in driven by unconditional love. Does that make any sense? I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. I get more static about that than anything I talk about. See, in other words, God loves us unconditionally, but he still has conditions. Okay? You need to repent. You need, if you want God to draw closer to you, you have to draw closer to God. You know, all these things, if you want to, you know, you have to believe or, or you don't get your miracle. You know, those are all conditions that God, it doesn't mean God is not loving for crying out loud it's all driven by unconditional love but then to take the idea of unconditional love and say in your relationship that you should just always you know be there for somebody and never expect any conditions in the relationship it sounds spiritual but it's not I just don't think it's very biblical and a lot of people have a a hard time with that and and, uh, so this guy was writing me about it last night and and I wrote him back on about 11 o'clock last night and I said you know look First of all, no one would ever accuse me of being a brilliant theological dissertative type of guy. So my little thing on the video, you know, is, uh, is uh, uh, just my thoughts as I'm flying at you. It wasn't some great doctrine. If you don't agree with it, that's okay. Everybody doesn't have to agree with everything. Everybody, and I talk about that a lot in the church here. The one great thing about Celebration Church is we don't all have to think the same. Thank God. If we all had to think the same, I don't know if I could find anybody else to come. Because, you know, not everybody agrees with me. I get it. It's okay. <laughs> My wife doesn't even agree with me. I wrote back to the guys. You know, who, who surrounds themselves by people only that think like them? Well, that's exactly what a lot of Christians try to do. That's why 80% of churches in America have 100 people in them or less. That's about the max you can get people together before they quit agreeing with each other. And considering at least half of them are children, to... Some places, three quarters of them are children. So you're really talking anywhere from 25 to 50 people and get together and not really irritate each other too much. If you're all going to think the same, we're all going to think the same. Everybody has to look at the Bible exactly the same. And then, no, 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 no. All right. Anyway, keeping going on. Um, Everybody's deserted me. Verse 17. But the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. And all the Gentiles might hear it. 
And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Remember I talked about that last week? Getting thrown into the lion's den. Everybody loves that story and shuts the mouth of the lion. Of course, we don't like getting thrown into the den. But that's where you get the miracle. Paul got his miracle in his sufferings. Okay, don't let suffering and, and, and trials discourage you. These are all opportunities for God to move in your life. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then a couple of final words here. It says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. This is a couple in the New Testament church. We'll run into Priscilla and Aquila when we start the book of Acts. Learn about who they are. Uh, and the household of Onesiphorus. Uh, Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Ebulus greets you. If you're looking for names for your kids, by the way, there's all kinds of stuff here. (laughs) (laughs) Ebulus. Ebulus, get in here right now. Um, (laughs) Ebulus greets you and so do Pudens. Might want to pass on that one. <laughs> Linus. We like Linus. That's when we can handle. Claudia. Claudia was up here singing tonight. Where is Claudia? There you go. The Bible. Bible. You're right there. He might be talking about you, actually. How old are you? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. You. We did it. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> okay. So next week, we'll start in the book of Acts. It's a fabulous, fabulous journey to see how these guys actually walked out their Christianity in the very beginning. And again, the reason it's so important because it puts all the epistles in context. If you don't have the context, The epistles can mean all kinds of things. And oftentimes it does because people don't know the context. They think it's meaning stuff that it doesn't. Got to know the story. Got to put it in context. So we will look at the book of Acts starting next week. Our ushers can come down and get ready. Our musicians can come back up wherever they may be. Here they come. Is Claudia not going to sing now? Are you mad at me now? (laughs) <laughs> I'm just teasing you no 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 oh cool let's pray father thank you for your word thank you for your blessings thank you for your grace help us to grow in our faith lord help us to uh, absorb the word of god that is breathed by your spirit lord so we can walk correctly and be instructed and shown how to train in righteousness and occasionally lord get our little bottoms swatted when we're not thinking or acting in a proper way help us lord god to have a love for you your word says that those who are truly wise love rebuke they love instruction they love it when people come up to them and straighten them out help us to be like that your word says only a fool hates it they never like it when anybody instructs them or never like it when they straighten them out. That's, that's a bad place to be. Help us to be in a place where we're teachable, where we have tender hearts, tender spirits, all driven by your love, Lord God, so we can be the kind of fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, young people, single people that you've called us to be, Lord, so that we can splash Jesus everywhere we go in this swimming pool of life and just love on people and let your life 
shine through us. Lord, we live in a world that's so dark. So many people we walk around every day who have no idea. For a lot of them, Lord, the most of Jesus they'll ever see is when they look at us. Help us, Lord, to be a great reflection of you, of your love, of your kindness, of your patience, of your righteousness in the earth. Bless these offerings, we pray. Help us to use them for the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.